Welcome to Listening to Paint Drive with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike, and thank you so much for joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. So it's been about two weeks since we've had an episode out, and I apologize for that. Uh, Unexpectedly, I came down with bronchitis, and you can probably hear that in my voice. Uh, Right now, uh, I figured we would try to jump on and put out an interview because, you know, Right now, I'm not (laughs) coughing every two seconds. So uh, anyways, you also notice that you'll probably hear snoring dogs in the background. Well, like I said, this is an opportunistic uh, moment for me to uh, get an episode out. And we are really pleased today to have an interview uh, with Bryce Kokenauer. He is a fantastic artist from the Midwest. I had an opportunity to meet him at ReaperCon and also um, have some conversations with him as well. Uh, He actually judged one of my pieces which was interesting because that comes out into uh, the interview and we get to hear his thoughts, etc. on uh, how I did, what I could improve on, and things that he was looking for. So that was really awesome. And I got to tell you, it's invaluable feedback and I really appreciate him taking the time to talk to us. So without further ado, we present our conversation with Bryce Kokenauer. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Well, I'm glad to be here. I feel privileged. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and think it's pretty wonderful. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. I'm going to tell Dan now we're up to eight listeners. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'll even email you. Oh, awesome. We, we <laughs> greatly. And we will read that email on air. I promise. <laughs> uh, so Bryce, we got a chance to very briefly meet at ReaperCon, um, which was an amazing a- experience. It was my first ReaperCon. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how you got into this hobby and uh, let our listeners know? Oh, Absolutely. I think it started back, I was um, started playing D&D with some friends, and I happened to be in Carson City doing Cub Scout day camps, and we'd gotten done at the end of the day, and somebody said, hey, let's go over to this guy's house, and we went to this guy's house, and he had a, a little glass thing on his desk, and he was painting miniatures. I said, there's miniatures that go along with these things? And uh, right then, I was hooked, and it was uh, pretty cool, because he actually offered to paint a cobalt for me. And, uh, and he gave it, sent it to my house later. And, um, that sort of started that. And then we, um, looking in the, my friend had a subscription to dragon magazine and he got, uh, there was advertisements in it for this games workshop company. And so then we started, uh, uh, playing uh, rogue trader. And then a little bit later, uh, Warhammer came out. We thought that was great. And so six of us got in and we all shared a box because you get you get 10 figures. There are six different armies and you get 10 figures. So we all split them up and I got stuck with Skaven. And so we started that and then began playing in in some tournaments. And we went to one of the grand tournaments at Games Day. And that was the first time I entered a paint contest. And at that point, I was feeling pretty good about myself and thinking, oh, I, I can probably win something. And, and then, you know, in the recesses of your mind is like, maybe it's good enough to even win a sword, you know, and just, <laughs> that's, you know hopeful thinking here. Uh, so we entered that and didn't get to really look at the entries too much because we were playing a playing the tournament. And uh, and then it was pretty discouraged when I noticed I didn't even make first cut. And I was so discouraged that I ended up not painting for an entire year after that. Uh, cause you know, I went in thinking I was pretty good and, uh, and I wasn't. 
<laughs> and then once the that wore off after a year, I had to figure out they needed to get over myself and not be prideful and figure out if I can uh, learn some things to be able to paint better. And during that time, it was pretty hard to, um, cause there was no videos. There was, um, the dark you know, ages. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> back two years ago. And there was just, there was no, really no books. There was no, um, videos you need and people guarded their secrets pretty, um, pretty, uh, tightly. And it was, you know, hard to figure some things out besides the, you know, white dwarf magazine, but uh, it was definitely a GW style and hard to, to learn a lot of things besides dry brushing. Yeah. Uh, so, and then uh, started going to uh, some of the other games days. Um, uh, I remember in uh, 2000, Victor Hardy, um, you know, I, I'd wait after the competitions and he'd won with uh, his large demon model and, and he'd painted lots of lines and they had they were all highlighted really cool and you'd wait after and, and you could, you know, ask them a quick question when they picked their model up because you never knew who the guy was. And I remember not, uh, the next year, I remember Bobby Wong had won everything and, um, and I had just waited to see who was going to pick up the models. And he was nice enough to, he stopped and he talked to me and explained how he did some things. And there was numbers on one of the um, shoulder pads. And he said he'd used a, a label, but it was interesting because you couldn't see the edges of the label. So I had to ask him about that. And he said, well, I use the decal softener and decal set. Mm-hmm. And then that makes those sort of lines disappear. And so you're, you're always just, you know, waiting and trying to, you know, glean some information from these guys who won and see if, you know, maybe they can rub off you on you a little bit. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think back in, you know, I, back to when I started, like I, cause I was a rogue trader beginner as well. Um, I never actually played the game. But I did have the, you know, the first box of the Space Marines. But I remember picking up that first White Dwarf and like reading like where they had a little section on heavy metal painting and being like, what language is this in? Like they're talking about washes and like I, I have no I had no idea what any of that type of stuff was. And like, especially it would throw me when they're like, I used an ink wash. And I'm like, did you break open a pen like a black pen or something and just I, I like I had no idea what any of that stuff was so it's just always I'm, I'm glad to hear of other people that kind of started in that world too where there was there was no YouTube there was no uh and it really was I remember actually talking to somebody else talking about how the, they didn't want to share really and most artists just kind of everything was kept close to the vest they didn't talk about the processes or anything along those lines. So it's very interesting how much the community has changed, you know? Oh, absolutely. It was totally that way. And, uh, and I am glad it has changed and I've made an effort to, you know, if people ask or curious, I will, you know, help them. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of happened. I had a, a new guy named, uh, Caleb Wisenbach <laughs> yeah, came to our store and, <laughs> at, and, he, and he was a new painter and the store owner said, Hey, could you sit down and just teach him some stuff? And so we quickly became friends and, uh, and, you know, I just taught him everything I knew and, and he was a better painter with him than me within a year. So I was like, huh, <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you can get some help along the way. Wait. Okay. So we always blame Caleb and Kat for Dan and I, so you're to blame for Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I think Caleb is to blame for Caleb, but I was just uh, helpful <laughs> creating the craziness, I guess. Oh yeah. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing how, 
uh, small this world of miniature painting is and how, you know, I know, I noticed like, uh, uh, because I, I, you know, I'm nosy when I do, but before I interview a guest, I do research them. Um, and so I did notice like in, in your Facebook feed and such, you're mentioned by other guests that we've had, like James Craig and, uh, uh, you know, uh, but there's also Dallas Kemp and the stuff you've worked with the Privateer Press and then all the Reaper stuff you've done. And, you know, of course, Michael Proctor is a really good friend of the show. Um, and so like, it's just like, wow, this small, it's such a small world, you know, <laughs> you know. And then I saw your dinner, like I, I was laughing because I was like, I saw the picture of you guys sitting and eating dinner with Alfonso. And I'm like, oh, my God, I know like six of the people in that, <laughs> that picture, too. You know, like it's such a small, uh, funny little world. You know what I mean? Oh, I think those are the, the best things when you get to go to dinner and just sort of hang out with people. And those are uh, probably my favorite things. Um, Absolutely. Going to games days and having time after. I mean, I remember the year we did uh, we had Team North America where he did all the Primarchs and that, that happened the year before I was just sort of waiting around and, you know, seeing if I could glean information from any of the winners and, you know, Chris Bohr and Joe Ortiz were there and they were talking about this big project they were going to do next year. And, and I was like, okay, I'm going to butt in on this one. <laughs> <laughs> and they, awesome. they were, they were kind enough to, my heroes were kind enough to, to let me in on it. And, uh, and we all got to choose uh, different Primarchs and, and got them ready for the next year. Um, it was sort of overkill because we had like a ton of entries that you know, all could have won, uh, uh, you know, major awards, but it was, it was pretty fun. But the thing, the best thing after was we got to go over to um, David Powell's house after he invited us to his house and, um, you know, everybody was there and I remember, and Jen Haley was there and there was all these pieces mm-hmm. and they just put them all on the, on the dining room table. And you got to just sit around and just actually look at them because at the games, games days, it's really hard to see them because they're behind these very scratched plexiglass things and it's hard to see everything, but you could actually touch everybody's miniatures and look at them and well, not touch them, but hold them and, right. and have a look. And I just think that is just the best thing ever. Yeah. And that it's funny. Again, there's a, there's another name too, David Powell that um, when I first got introduced into uh, my games workshop, people, um in our local store we're like you got to go to nova open take a painting class see what it's like and so i i did and it was like you know uh, a circus to me i'd never been to this type of con um and then i saw kind of roman laplace display and went this is not even the same thing that i ever this is nothing like i ever imagined in miniature painting right like it's so it was kind of world changing and then when i started digging I was like, oh my God, look at, there's all these incredible American or or European artists. Are there any American ones? And the first one I came across was David Powell. Um, And I was like, holy crap. Yeah, there you go. And then the killer is that apparently he lived in my area for a very long period of time, was a member of this group that I'm now a member of called the National Capital Model Soldier Society. And I guess I missed him by like one year. I was like, damn it, I would have loved to sat and paint with him for like an hour just to, or just watch him paint, you know? <laughs> because yeah, it's he's, a, he's such an incredible artist. So many, like, there's so many out there now. It's amazing. But um, let's, fo- let's focus on you uh, a little bit more. So um, you decided, like, you, you know, you had that year break because you uh, didn't do as well as you wanted to. I believe me, can appreciate and uh, that that hits way close to home. Um so now that you're on this path that you want to become a better painter, what were some of the challenges that you faced when, when you started that, that down that road? 
I think the hardest thing is getting to the point where you can accept uh, criticism and, um, and maybe step back and look at your, your art. Cause a lot of times you spent a lot of time on these things. So it's very hard to yeah. receive, you know, positive comments and things that will help you make it better. Uh, and then even to figure out what they're talking about. I mean, with Alfonso's class, you know, it's like drinking from the fire hose. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, so now a few years later, now I'm finally figuring out <laughs> uh, some of the things he was talking about. So, uh, so, but it's just a determination to be able to, I, I know that I can get better and I always, I'll, I'll watch everybody's videos. I'll watch other people. Cause I will always pick up things mm-hmm. that I didn't know that they do better than me. And I think you can always improve. And I, I think it's just a process of, of continually improving and seeing how you can do that. Absolutely. And it's one of those things that's interesting is that there is some form of muscle memory with it, you know, like learning how to edge highlight and all, all, even the simplest atta- techniques are always good to continually practice. Right. I mean, but those are things. All right. So not, they're not always simple to everybody, you know, like uh, our motto, our, uh, <laughs> our motto is better, braver, happier painters. But I don't know if you've heard in other parts of the podcast, the original motto was we suck at painting, so you don't have to. Um, so uh <laughs> You know. actually i went to a, um i went to a, a painting clinic with a jeremy bonamont i decided because i started taking classes and i went to a, i had gone to his class before but i went to another one and and i brought a model that i was working on for games day and i showed it to him and i you know thought i was pretty far along looked pretty good and he looks at it, he's like where's the light i don't know where the light is you cannot fix this <laughs> And so one of the guys in the class, they actually had a bottle of simple green and they put a sticker on top of it and it said, um, I suck. And so he just handed it to me. (laughs) Ah, I feel your pain. I feel your pain for sure. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that, um, it's all like, one of the biggest challenges has always been for me, self-awareness. Um, and I know there are some things painting wise, I do pretty well, but a lot of times I have I can't gauge where I am. You know what I mean? Like that's, uh, like ReaperCon this year was a total mind blow for me. I had no idea uh, how any of the stuff was going to pan out. And so I was quite, I, I went in with zero expectations, which was good. That's always the, the best thing, but, um, I would have to say I had never gone into a painting competition with zero expectations before. Um, and so it was, and it's always humbling to see all those other pieces, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, Oh, mine's nowhere near as good as that. Or, you know, I sit there and go, that's better. That's better. Wait, I've just pointed out every other model in the show. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way. I think I've like, I've stepped it up and I'm doing really good. And then you get there and it's like, oh, these are amazing. <laughs> I'm like, huh, I think I might ship these back home instead of put them on the table. But <clears throat> okay. So learning how to take constructive criticism uh, the, was one of, one of the things that uh, you struggled with. Was there any, or not struggled with, but was a challenge. Were there any techniques that um, you found cha- particularly challenging? Like I know for me, non-metallic metal is going to be the bane of my existence as long as I'm a painter. Um, and so I just didn't know if there's something for you that you felt similar. I think it's part of it is a lot of uh, like Jeremy would demonstrate things or Matthew Fontaine to demonstrate things. And it didn't always click right away. And I, and I sort of have to learn it. I'm a mechanical engineer by 
um, by trade. And so, you know, a lot of artists go, Oh, you just add blue to it. It's all better. You know? And it's like, okay, what's the recipe? (laughs) Um, But I'm finally learning, um, you know, at first it had to be recipes for me and learning techniques. And then slowly it became to, okay, so now what looks good and what, what creates a feeling. And, and that was just sort of a a learning process for me. Um, But I think that it can be learned. Yeah. And that's interesting because uh, it's 50, 50 who we talk to. So like, I would say half of our guests have an artistic background and half have none whatsoever. And, you know, and I'm, I'm one of those weird mutants where when I was younger, I had some artistic background because that's the direction I wanted to go. And then my parents kind of beat that out of me because of they're like poverty artist equals poverty. And so like I stopped <laughs> all my art in high school um, and then didn't come back to it till I was in my forties. Um, so, you know, nice, nice little gap of stuff. And so it's interesting to hear like, so a mechanical engineer by, uh, by training, um, how has that, how do you think that has helped or hindered you as a, in this world of miniature painting? Oh, I think it's helped a lot. I, um, I do like, I need to have a desire to modify everything I buy practically, <laughs> especially the old, you know, GW stuff. Everything was very linear to put into a two-part mold. Mm-hmm. And so my goal was always to change it enough so that um, it couldn't be molded. I gotcha. Okay. Um, and so I think, you know, that sort of does that. And I think just the, um, the ability uh, to learn and observe things that come from, you know, sort of a science background, I think are very helpful. Uh, and so I don't think it uh, hinders at all. Uh, but it's been more of a help, I think. Nice. Now, how do you, now, does that, uh, because of that background, uh, do you enjoy basing or creating your own bases more than a, you know, like I'm a, all right, basing. Yeah, whatever, you know, it's kind of a necessary evil most of the time, but like for you, is that something that you take particular joy in? I think that's sort of grown on me. I do take a lot of joy in it. It's, and I've sort of grown on that because, you know, with Aaron Lovejoy and, you know, some other friends, we've really worked on trying to tell a story when you have a miniature, because when you're playing armies and stuff, it, you just have to base, you know, 200 guys. And so it's <laughs> throwing a few rock pebbles and a, grass tuft and you're good but um it's sort of hard for i think you can help the viewer if they can look at your miniature rather than just a guy just standing there you know why is he standing there mm-hmm. so if you can add little things that help tell your story i think that's a lot more fun and you have layers of discovery where if the viewer looks pretty close to my bases typically you can find other things that uh mm-hmm. you know sort of reward you for taking time to look Absolutely. Especially with pieces like training day, there's so much in that from the freehand to, uh, you know, the dummy being destroyed, you know, like that, it's just uh, not only do you have like little surprises, but you also have motion captured in kind of like a snapshot, which is a very, very, very impressive. It's hard to do in, uh, in the miniature world, you know, like, cause (laughs) a billion people have tried to make realistic smoke effects and it just they don't you know a missile firing or something like that it's like it looks cute but it's not quite you know <laughs> it right. never quite gets there you know what i mean yeah yeah so anything i can do to help um increase the story so i added a braid to her hair so as she's spinning around you can see the movement of the braid there's movement of the um 
the dummies and the straw coming out the flag behind actually has a little bit of movement from her moving around. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's adding all these little pieces that help tell the story a little bit better. Now, what, what, how did you come up with that piece? Now uh, what uh, we'll do is uh, uh, we'll uh, post a picture of that as well. So our view, our, our listeners can be, can kind of get a point of reference as well and link to any social medias that you have. Um, but wh- can you talk to us a little bit, maybe uh, because that's kind of a, a more well-known piece um what maybe the process was where you came up with the idea and kind of maybe walk us through the 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 story of creating that that piece absolutely so starting out i kept going to um the um, reaper cons and and then i'd never entered a uh, actual reaper piece so that i could be eligible for a sophie mm-hmm. And it was always one of my goals to end up with a Sophie at some point. And so I needed to find a miniature that I could um, use and sort of tell a story with. And so I started looking through and with GW, they make it very easy because there's lots of lore and literature and heraldry and, and things you go through their books and things that you can add. And so I started searching for things that Reaper may have written or had that would help pass that story along and finally found one of their old catalogs or sisters of the blade. And they actually had a, um, they had a little logo um, with three weapons in it. And that's on the back of the, of the piece. And so I saw, so, okay, now I had some piece to do, you know, some little bit of heraldry and a little bit of story. And so then I had to find a female miniature and, and then I found uh, the girl and says, okay, now what can I do? She's, you know, swinging two swords. So that's interesting, but what is she swinging the swords at? And so then I thought, oh, it'd be fun if she did some, some, some dummies to hit against and sort of thought of Kung Fu Panda where he's standing on the little, the pegs and, and then it started to evolve from there. And mm-hmm. so then I knew I needed to have something to hang the dummies from, and I wanted to be in sort of like a dojo. And then I needed to have some, um, some pegs for her to, you know, to balance on. And it just started to grow from there. And it went, you know, I did quick drawings real quick um, with the, the guys, at the store and sort of bounced it off of them. And then we drew up a basic idea and then started putting it together. And then you put it together and then you make changes <laughs> and then you build something and you tear it apart and you make changes again. And um and I intended to enter it the year before I entered it, but um, I didn't finish it. And, uh, and Joe Orteza happened to be there that year. And so we talked about things and made some more modifications. And um, I built the entire roof and it just didn't look right. And so then I had to start over and try a different method. And um, so I think that's sort of the process. Awesome. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm smiling. I know people can't see you because I just I, I feel the pain. I know the. Uh, one of the pieces I entered in a champagne glass um, that was the 12th champagne glass. I think uh, <laughs> that I, of different iterations of what it was going on. Um, so I, I feel, I, I always love hearing people that do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I love that, that piece. I actually got to judge your, your piece in your, in the open. And then I enjoyed your champagne piece. And I, well, from what you. I understand, it didn't come home with you. It did not. No, they, they, they kept it, um, which was awesome. <laughs> it was I think awesome. that's a, a very nice compliment that they uh, <laughs> absconded with your piece because it was pretty awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, it was that, like I said, I, I, I was just blown away 
with the results. Like I didn't even expect, you know, I kind of was like, after I heard bronzes, I was kind of like, all right, all right. Well, you know, that's all good. You know, like it didn't happen this year. It's fine. It was my first one, you know? So I was really kind of, when it all kind of panned out, I was just like, Eric Swenson slapped me once. He's like, Mike, they just called your name. And I'm like, what? No, there's another Mike. He's like, dude, go. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, it, 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 Eric said uh, perennial millennial. He's got, he's this, no matter what, he's on the phone all the time, you know? <laughs> um, so I was, uh, you know, it's interesting, but thank you. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I also set that piece on fire as well um which was awesome uh <laughs> uh the to do the resin pour um I had I had built everything else so the last thing I was doing was the resin pour and this was Monday before ReaperCon um and so of course you have to uh, wait to do resin right before the event uh, well I did UV so I did it ultraviolet oh, okay so that's I like yeah I was like I knew uh, yeah I had Proctor was yelling at me for like two weeks before he's like have you done the resin pour I'm like no no I have not touched it and he didn't he had not seen the piece, but he kind of knew kind of what I was doing. Um, I was trying to keep him, you know, uh, as out, out of it as possible because so he doesn't didn't feel like awkward or anything. Um, and then uh, I used a lighter to try to get the, the bubbles out and uh, I had already put the paper plants in and they went woof like that <laughs> from the light, like this. I, I actually like kind of. I looked to make sure the glass didn't melt, didn't melt any of the, I did a little damage to one of the barrels, but I was, that was fixable. I was like, okay, it survived. And then I laughed for like 45 minutes. Cause I'm like, who, I didn't even think of that. So I, I'm glad I had a couple other plants I could replace them with, but I was just like, that was, uh, I didn't foresee that coming, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And so it was, a, it was funny to explain. I'm like, this, this went from on fire to being in Reaper's gallery. <laughs> you know, like, there you go. It's a, it's a win uh, for sure. But uh, yeah. And um, now, if I remember correctly, did you judge the Lancelot piece, the steampunk piece? I did judge the steampunk piece. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And I'd say, you know, actually, one of the things I've been thinking about, um, when we talked about doing this interview was how to kind of ask questions about how you kind of approached it, uh, judging, ju doing the judging, um, and then kind of in context of, uh, that piece, um, to try to give listeners like kind of how a judge's mind works, you know, when looking at a, at a piece, it's kind of a, it's, I'm not sure how successful this line of questioning will be, um, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> no, I think it's actually a pretty valid uh, line of questioning and, and it will be helpful to a lot of people. I think, I think number one is you need to read the rules. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. Most open categories is means it's open, um, but for Reaper, open category is for modifications to a miniature, with mm -hmm. uh, and with emphasis on sculpting. So there's a lot of most of the points are given to your your sculpting uh, techniques and stuff like that. And so I think any contest is very important to read the the rules and make sure that you're you know sort of complying with them and and so and you'll understand what the, how the judges judge. For uh, the Reaper contents, since, since you're competing against yourself, everything is given a percentage and depending on which category you've entered. So if you enter painting, 
Um, they don't really, bases are cool and they make the miniature look better, but they're not just putting a lot of judging on your base work. Mm-hmm. They're putting more on the painting skill to you know, make everything look good, especially the miniature. So, and, you know, as, as a judge, I think we're, you know, we basically have the charts in front of us and we're rating things based on, you know, how, how they're ranked. And that's an interesting point to point out too. And um, I misunderstood the open painters distinction. And I think I probably was reading the Reaper description with other descriptions of opens in my head at the same time uh, and thinking, cause the base was scratch built. Uh, and it, that was kind of where, kind of where my mentality was. Okay, well, everything on this base is scratch built. You know, the I the I, the bricks weren't molded, but I laid every brick by hand, and then you know the gear tree was done. done. So I thought that classified it for open, not thinking in the context of modifying the miniature per se. You know what I mean? So that's where, and so like when, when it was explained to me that like, cause it, I was kind of approached that it got moved from open to painters because, because of that, it kind of was approached to me very gingerly. And I was like, oh no, that clearly is my mistake. You know, I, I misunderstood the rules, but you know, it's a, it's a learning experience. And so, um, so it's interesting, you know, it's funny too, cause I just went to another competition. I didn't actually enter anything, but the open division at this competition was exactly what you described it's uh, not painters but everything else you know right (laughs) you know and and so it's interesting uh uh the way the the reading rules how important it is and such and certainly like while uh in that situation uh the rules actually aided my piece in the dioramas because the painting i was told was probably a high silver but the rest of it was, was a high gold. And so, absolutely. Yes. You know, and so that, that in the end helped me because creativity and execution were higher than the painting and diorama. Creativity, execution and storytelling. That's exactly what they're looking for in diorama. And so that's why it's weighted a little bit more. So, you know, yeah. and, and truthfully um, the miniature would have, we actually asked Michael Proctor during the judging, okay, does he want two silvers or does he want a gold? He goes, he wants a gold. Yes. <laughs> it was like it was not even a pause it was just like give the boy a gold <laughs> yes yeah that no that was correct and, you know and it's funny uh, that's uh there's a running joke in the house because you know that put uh him in the lancelot piece in the same category as the dollar store jack jack and so that's that my, my middle child the youngest child are constantly poor jack jack so disrespected you know like poor jack jack <laughs> poor jack jack and i'm like no jack 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 was a was a great pro there i was like i was highly successful with trips to the dollar store this year you know cuz the, the champagne glass was the dollar store jack jack was from the dollar store you know <laughs> so woohoo that's who i need to get to sponsor this show right um okay so given that context of where um uh, like looking at the rules, et cetera, and in, in evaluating a piece, kind of how do you start? Like, so you're like, okay, everything's out. Here are the pieces. Go judge. Your first piece is in front of you. Kind of how do you start this process? So all three of us sort of, um, some people can't, you can enter more than one entry and the judges, the first thing is to figure out if there's more than one entry or not. And if there's more than one entry, then we decide what we think is the best of their 
of the entries they've entered. And then once we've settled upon that, all three judges agree, then, then we begin to um, look at the miniature and be more critical and, and, and see what we can do. For the open contest, it's mainly a sculpting. So we're identifying what the original miniature was and, and then see what they've done and how well executed it is. In, in that situation, um, if you can't tell there's a conversion, that's a, that's a win. <laughs> and that's right. typically a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so, and then uh, looking at how, how everything is executed and how, you know, cleanly it is done. And, um, and, and then we'll look at the other things like the paint jobs. Still, you still rate those things and you rate the basing and the storytelling and, and how the whole thing makes you feel. And, the, and then, um, and when you get difficult ones, we'll actually put the chart in front of us in the case so you get 30% for painting. Mm-hmm. These aren't the right numbers. I'm just using numbers out of the air here, but so if 30% is for painting, how much of the 30% did they get? And then, and then you sort of add things up and see, and then see if we get, you know, um, you know, see how they rank on, you know, bronze, silver, or gold. And, um, and then painter's division is sort of the similar thing, except for you're, instead of looking at the sculpting, you're really particular about the painting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there's um, definite errors in the painting that, you know, knocks you down and, you know, uh, and so that's sort of the process there. Now, and it's interesting, um, one of the, and you'll know this for all, also uh, being a fan of Banshee as well, is that um, how much does like smoothness play necessarily into like you know are are you looking for uh the quality of blends or are you looking for i I don't know i guess because there's so many different um absolutely amazing painters do both they get the smooth blend they get the artistic interpretation and excellent technique etc but we're not talking about those chumps we're talking about like the everyday sucky people like me um where like so if you're starting out and you're entering competitive pieces uh with the judging mindset going on where where do you focus on do you focus on uh the kind of that technique of the learning the super blend or do you focus more on the artistic side of it i i guess i hope that's making sense in that question well it makes absolute sense especially if you're (laughs) talking about banshee and uh, we know he has his favorite saying about a bad word blends. And, uh, but if you look at his stuff, it is blended. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know he doesn't, but he says he doesn't, but the, even though he takes an artistic approach, everything still ends up looking proper. Mm-hmm. And, and I still think that's um, important. I, I think that um, something that's been a high learning curve for me is, you know, respecting light. So, mm-hmm. and, and basically it's just, and, and you have to go from dark to light and sometimes it's hard to do the blends, but you can generally figure out where the lightest part should be and where the darkest part should be. And then it's a matter of going in between. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh no. Do you, I, I don't know if you know, have heard of Zuma Keto, uh, uh miniatures. Uh, he's this guy with a massive, uh, impressive beard, but he was on the show and we were talking exactly like that. He was like, He's like, no, nah, there's no F smoothness, F him, because all of his stuff is completely smooth, you know. Like, it, and it's it, it, and it's uh, it's always the running joke uh, that we were having. Like uh, Dan and I always have is that 
of course, like some of these people don't compete anymore and competitions mean nothing to them as they're sitting on their iron throne made of slayer swords, you know, like, right. <laughs> <you> know? <laughs> it's just, it's just, they just show up and kick babies. That's what it is, man. It's just... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how to ask a question about like, uh, so you judged my Lancelot piece. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest. And so just to give you about uh, a little bit about who I am, um, I started uh, academic slash policy debate when I was 12 years old. Um, and I'm still actually coaching uh, here until my 40s, uh, coaching it. Um, I have uh, miles thick skin and can take the harshest criticism out there. So you never have to worry about uh, my only, my only policy. And I do this with my students too. I'm like, if you want to tell me I suck, just tell me why. Tell me why. That's it. Just tell me why. So I can get better. I don't care if you, you <laughs> the language doesn't matter. It's the end result that matters to me. And so. Um, it's hard to get to that point though. It, it, it Absolutely. And I felt like I had to redo that. Um, a couple of years ago, I kind of had a, an emotional train wreck with a piece at the Nova Open. Um, and that actually, I, that actually almost killed the, killed the podcast before it even started. And like, you know, I, yeah, I was ready to hang up the brushes after all, all, all of that stuff. But uh, I, I've gotten much better now. And, you know, a nice long hour session with a th- therapy session with Vince Venturella helped a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But uh, uh, so I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask about my piece uh, that uh, you looked at the Lancelot piece. Um, and if you had any thoughts or anything that came kind of to mind, just because you don't have it in front of us. It's been a, a month now since ReaperCon. So I wouldn't expect you to be like, oh, I'm like... <laughs> I remember it. I complimented you. If you remember, as I you do getting your award because it was cool. I know that guy judged his piece and it was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I think the thing is, um, as you know, a teacher and a person that wants to make people better, you sort of have to um, ask people, what type of criticism do you want? Because mm-hmm. some people just want to go, oh, it was pretty, and, and they're happy with that. Mm-hmm. And they're, right. they're not interested in changing anything. They don't want, they don't necessarily, they want to get better, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I feel the same way too, because I was at dinner with... Um, Who's the guy you interviewed him and he paints for privateer press. Um, Eric. Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Spencer. Yeah. Bearded. Yeah. 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 Eric Spencer. Yeah. So I was, we were at dinner with him and he actually judged my, um, um, my diorama piece and I ended up getting silver, which I was a little, you know, sad about that, which we, we all are. And so, but I had to remind myself, okay, I want to learn about it. And so, okay, let's ask him what, what he thought. And he goes, they kept wanting to look at her a different way. Cause I've got a girl that's running through some water in a, in a train station. And he goes, I kept turning the model and I wanted to look at her a different way. And I'd done the model a long time ago and I, and I knew I wasn't going to finish my main piece. And so I just said, well, I can refresh this model because I've never entered it at Reaper. And so I hadn't really, you know, I've learned some since then. I hadn't really thought about mm-hmm. viewing at it. And he says, I, I wanted to see her running the other way. And so I think, oh, okay. So I had to think about it. I went back and looked at it. I was like, oh, he's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And um, so, uh, and if you ever talk to Michael Proctor, you can attest, uh, he can attest to this, that um, I I want no smoke blown up my ass. I want to get better. 
And so, you know, I, if something looks good, that's, that's nice to hear, but I, I, I want to also hear the, how to, how it goes from good to great. You know what I mean? I want to hear, and if something sucks on a piece and I can't see it and somebody else does, I need to know, you know? (laughs) So good. So that sounds like you'd like to grow. And so, and I'm not too harsh either, but some people just don't want any criticism. So I think it's important uh, as a good friend and and mm-hmm. someone who wants to help somebody is to really find out, you know, where they want to go. And, and I think that's helpful um, with your piece. The, um, the base work is just absolutely amazing. The bricks were laid out with so much care and just looked just totally real and perfect. I mean, it was just Thank you. Really love that. And then for the model, was there any conversion on the model itself? I think you'd mentioned a couple things in your description. Um, just small, nothing. Ma- there were nothing major. Uh, um, it, there was some kind of flaws with the, with, with the piece. Like uh, there were under the, there was kind of a typewriter thing with a paper coming off and uh, the paper was mutilated when it came to me. So I took it off and put it like, rolled out a piece of green stuff and made it my own and kind of it's a different shape than what the 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 manufacturer did so it was just minor stuff like that like i said when i put it in open i thought it was for the the base qualified it for it so that yeah the rest of the it was tweaking not even it's not even worth mentioning most of it (laughs) but those are still all considered conversions to the model and we couldn't tell what they were so that's really good sign Oh, thank so you. all yeah. that was executed very well. Um, and I think for especially Reapers open contest is useful to put in pictures mm-hmm. and, and good descriptions of what you've done mm-hmm. so that the judges, you can make the judges life a little bit easier instead of them guessing. And a lot of times, if we know the name of the model, we'll even we, we, on good models, we'll take time to look it up online and, right. and see if we can see what the original looked like and see what changes they made. And, um, and that's good. Um, the, uh, the, I think it was, um, I've learned from a lot of painters and stuff. It's always good to use thing. You know, you don't have to sculpt something necessarily if you can find something that looks like what you want, mm-hmm. you know, so why waste the time doing it? And so I can see that for the planter, you'd repurposed a, um, a pipe from, a um, uh, from, a, um, from a faucet or, uh, you know, so a braided, a braided, uh, um, yep. pipe and so <laughs> is, is very clever, um, for me, I recognized it right away. So maybe need a little bit something to hide that a little bit. Probably. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, th- I think most people probably wouldn't notice, but I've done lots of plumbing repairs. So right. <laughs> um, it was pretty obvious. Um, the, the, um, I think the thing that got the most was the connection of the tree to the back of the, the discs mm. on the tree, from the, the gears on the tree. Right. So gears, I mean, the whole thing appeared perfectly but then upon close examinations it looked like they were um hot glued or something to the tree or something or yeah, it was green stuff but i could see totally why it looked like i um, i, I th- that was actually the biggest struggle with my model was getting figuring out how to get the gears on there to stay yeah it, i i totally under like when you say it looked like hot glue yep you're probably right it was green stuff but i i can certainly see how that translates to hot glue <laughs> right so yeah it was either green stuff so i just there were just a couple small things and it was the the model was perfectly fine obviously i mean this whole thing was high silver so don't mm-hmm. it was just you know when you're doing gold it's it's like okay what are the things that knock you away from gold or what makes you 
pushes you into the gold category. And so you're, you're looking for those things. And then when you have obvious things like my girl running the, the wrong way and not appearing right in the scene, that's an obvious thing to not give me gold. So I think it's the, it's the little things that, you, that they have to get contests is you have to start getting a little picky. Whereas, you know, the whole model is just beautiful and people would pay a lot of money for it. And I'd be happy to have it in my collection if you want to send it my way. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying that um, when you have to do awards and, and you're judging amongst things and putting things side by side, you do have to make some little decisions and, and little things like that, you know, sometimes hurt you. Right. Absolutely. You know, and it's funny because it was, uh, um, there are things in it that I like were, was excited about that I never thought I would be excited about. Like probably one of the best parts of it to me were the pants um, that the, like we're doing the pinstripe pants. I was like, I can't believe I actually pulled that off and they actually look correct. You know, like <laughs> I was like, I might, I'm stopping now. I'm not painting anything else on it. The pants right. are perfect. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. There was no doubt paint wise. That was, you know, hundred percent. I mean, just. Yeah. And it was my totally first, uh, first non-metallic bronze attempt. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's a, I, I, I think that learning bronze has, or bra uh, copper, excuse me, they copper. Copper is easier to me than silver. Like, so uh, co copper and bronze are much easier for uh, copper and gold are easier for me to paint than silver is. And I still like, I feel like I'm moving along with those, but I cannot make any progress on silver for some odd reason. I, I think it's just that, that what the base coat is supposed to look like I can do the shadow, but then I'm done. I am like stuck, you know what I mean? And I think it's probably because when you're painting copper and gold, you're painting kind of a color as opposed to silver, you know, if, if it may, if that makes sense, like it, you're kind of painting a yellow, you're kind of painting a reddish, kind of orangish pinkish thing going on with copper so but uh i don't know if that made any sense people are probably scratching their head going what the hell is he talking about silver's a color <laughs> too i think with copper it's more shifting that mid-tone up to most of it and then you have a highlight and so then you have this you have to have a little bit of a pink mm -hmm. area and then lots of mid-tone and then it goes quickly to dark and then having those highlights right yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's with the, go ahead. Sorry. With the silver, I'd watch. I just watched Miniatures Den. He just did a a demo on this thing, and within a few minutes, he he painted it black, and then he sprayed Zenithal white, and then he just started putting in sketching really quick, and it was amazing how quickly he did it. It was just, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and I I haven't watched any of his stuff in a while, but uh, the one I've been watching lately is Jose Da Vinci, um, and although it's all in Spanish, like his process kind of makes sense to like watching it. I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I, I I've gone on the Banshee's Twitch streams where they're only doing Spanish, turned off the sound and just watch them paint, you know, <laughs> I just, so I can, I can watch people paint all the time. Um, you know, I, I, hence the reason probably of the, the four days of ReaperCon three of which I wore Bob Ross shirts. So, you know, <laughs> it's what it's those things that interest you. Um, okay. So now kind of, um, we talked a little about the judging about the, the piece. Um, let's do kind of a little bit of a lightning round for you. Cause you've been in this miniature painting business a while. So some of these things uh, will probably be common or you've probably graduated past them, but basically the gist is I'm going to blurt out a question and you give me an answer as quick as possible. And we just keep going. It's like five or six questions. How about that? I don't know if you've heard our lightning round yet or not. <laughs> I, I have. Oh, okay. All right. So we're going to switch it up a little bit. Okay. Uh, 
Rush licking, yes or no? Uh, yes. Yeah, but I'm right. working on, on stopping. <laughs> <laughs> it is an addiction, right? <laughs> okay, so uh, then when was the last time you drank your paint water? It's actually been uh, a while, but I, I've definitely uh, done that by accident. And I, I try to mix my cups up now so that, <laughs> that I don't do that anymore. All right, well, then when was the last time you rinsed your brush out in your drink? Yes, a lot. <laughs> it's probably been about a month. So <laughs> Nice, nice. Okay, so the lords of the brushes come down and descend, and so you may paint with only one paintbrush for the rest of your life. What type of brush is it and what size? I'm in your camp. Uh, definitely a sable number one. And what's our favorite brush here? Raphael. Right. Raphael, there we go. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, thank you, yes. Ninja so probably Turtle. I do like the 8404s. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I do use 8408s also. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when the ones that the I found are pretty close and actually have a little bit of a sharper point are the Rosemary and Company Series 8s. I ordered those accidentally and I, I actually am pretty stoked by them. I was surprised. They kind of have that fat Raphael fat belly on them with yep. the sharp point. They're softer, though. They don't have the same snap as like a Raphael does. And so they they're you know if you're a snap back kind of person they're they're, they're going to be terrible for you but uh for soft soft touches they're good <laughs> okay yep. so next lightning round question acrylic uh, a hard body uh, start again next one is heavy body acrylics inks model paints or another type of paint that is not listed i would say model paints would be number one yeah. And you know what? And I appreciate that you said recipe because I know so often many YouTubers start out, well, the recipe doesn't matter. And I'm like, damn it. I don't know my colors yet. The recipe is vitally important to me. You know, <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring that up because well, I do use the heavy bodies too. So I, I won't discount them, but I, I would prefer the model paints. Um, Aaron Lovejoy, I'd ask him all the time, what did you do to paint that? And he goes, I don't know. It doesn't matter. And so I've been working on, okay, how can I get to the point where my recipes don't matter? And it does. And I can say, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I've really been working on that and it's made a difference. Has it really? That's interesting. Cause I don't, you know, it's one of those things that I guess maybe that's just down the road for me that I'm just not at that point that, uh, that, cause I've really only been back in the hobby and painting seriously for probably about four years for like I did a year where I tried to be a gamer uh when I came back to the hobby but I think really seriously painting probably about four maybe maybe even five years but um I I, maybe it's a laziness thing too I just love being able to reach for (laughs) oh wait that bottle is pre-mixed I don't have to worry about it and I can tweak it here and there you know um but so it's interesting that uh how is it like what do you think it's done to help you being able to uh move towards that and just mixing colors and not worrying about it per se. Um, I don't worry about, I mean, I do write recipes down sometimes, but most of the time I just, it's just coming in and, and finding it. Cause you can make it work. It's like if you took Banshee's class, he probably went to somebody's cl- miniature and he took blue or something and smeared it on the side. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did with Caleb. He came up to him and he just like put a big old, okay, fix it. <laughs> <laughs> fortunately i think that's only he only does that in his two-day class i only had him for one i had him for one day class um so i'm glad that didn't happen i would have cried I think that you can blend anything 
So mm -hmm. if you just put some other colors in and actually that adds more interest. So, you know, step mm -hmm. out of your box a little bit and try to add in some other colors and bring some more brilliancy and, mm -hmm. and change things up a little bit where, um, you know, I don't have to have the same red. I can put two reds in the same thing and it'll look just fine because I can blend them together. Nice. Yeah. So by not getting yourself so stuck on, I need to go from A to B and having some other stuff in there actually makes a lot more interesting paint job. I think it sounds like a more fun paint job too. It sounds like you can be a little more relaxed when painting. If you're not really worried about hundred percent about the, Oh my goodness, this doesn't exactly match or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it kind of gives you some freedom yeah. uh, to, to play with it too. Okay. Well, that makes, that makes sense. Maybe it, Maybe I'm a little bit of a convert, I'll say. <laughs> I don't think you need to. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you need to think of it as much as uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm stuck or it's gonna be too hard to do. I think you just start, just mm. don't worry about it as much. Yeah, I'm a little OCD with stuff. So, um, <laughs> but um, so one of the questions I'd love to ask, uh, and I, I I'm sure you've heard it before, is are are there models out there, or is there a model out there that you would like to see made that hasn't been made? I use the Stephen King Dark Tower series characters as an example. Uh, I'd love to see Roland Des Chains done and you know the any of the any of his quartet uh, as miniatures. What about you? Is there something out there that you hope gets made? Um oh there's always lots of great stuff. I I do a lot of research before I paint things because I try to find color things that help me out or or mm -hmm. and I do I do like to sculpt a lot of scenes that maybe people have done. Um, for a lot of the GW things I've done, um, you know, the cover art, I've made the models to go with the cover art. Mm -hmm. And so I, there is a, a, a girl pirate sitting on a, a barrel that I like to do. And I think I will sculpt her at some point. And then there was a, a James Wapple 2d drawing that I thought would be really nice turned into a model. So, Oh, nice. Nice. That's cool. Uh, you know, I, it's always, there's so many things out there and it's, I, my, my bet is at some point they'll all be STLs anyways. Right. Cause so I, I, every time I turn around, I've said something to somebody and like, there's an STL for that. I'm like, Oh, all right, cool. Cause I did, I got the Quicksilver from the Silverhawks. Somebody was did, like, did an STL for a mini. I was like, L yes. And that was on your up. list too. So that's per perfect. Right. Exactly. I was no longer on there, you know? And then uh, I saw Steven Garcia's Lionel at uh the ReaperCon, and i'm like uh and i was actually supposed to meet him and i'm texting him i'm like steven i am standing i am the guy standing next to your lionel wearing a thundercat shirt how can you not find me you know <laughs> like bring it <laughs> yeah, it's but, almost as if you planned that one right you know i and it, it, yeah that would have worked well if we did um so another thing I like to ask is, um, you know, the model, uh, the official motto of the podcast is better, braver, happier painters. Um, is there any advice that you can give to our listeners as they continue their journey down uh, this road? I think it's not being discouraged and searching for things that will help you get better and be willing to change and try different things. So we don't get stuck on, on, you know, very difficult things. Whenever I entered Golden Demons, I would always look at the guys and they'd look at the magazines that came out and they'd try to find, okay, which category was the worst? Because I'm going to enter that one. <laughs> so I want to try to get one of those, those demons. And so they'd, oh, Lord of the Rings really sucks. So I'm going to do, a, you know, Lord of the Rings entries. And um, I always decided I'm entering the hardest category, which was 40K single or 
right. fantasy single. And there's lots of years I didn't get anything, but when I did win, I was playing against the big boys. Yeah. So, you know, it was my goal to always, okay, that's the hardest category, but I really have to bring it. And so it just makes you try harder because you're, you know, that those guys are going to throw down. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one always things that amazes me when I see a Slayer Sword winner is a single model. I'm like, holy crap, because how do you a single model over some of the dioramas that people do? You know what I mean? That's a, the best in shows that aren't dioramas are always impressed the hell out of me, you know, especially like if a bust wins best in show. I'm like, that's that that's some stuff going on there. You got some some mojo. <laughs> now, exactly. um, you've won it. Yeah. Uh, and this is this actually has nothing to do with the quality of painting. I'm just just curious. Um, I saw that you you've won a you won two demons or F uh, four four. Okay, okay. Uh, the, my I'm I, I'm going to chide you a little bit because I where, where are your paint and putty account is empty. We need more Bryce Coconauer <laughs> stuff on social media. We need places to find you, man. I do have to admit, I am very poor at uh, <laughs> at uh, sharing my stuff and taking time to put it on, um, you know, on social sites. You know, I have a hard time getting my entries done so I can actually enter the contest. So that's, um, but I do have, I mean, I have things I have, a, you know, I of work and then I, uh, you know, in church and I've yeah. been a scout master for a long time and I coach pole vault and um, uh, so it, it, I do you know, trying to fit everything in, just like, you know, probably coaching all those kids and stuff is yes. Takes up yeah. some extra time and stuff. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but because of this interview, I, I promised myself that I would take some time and put some things on my Instagram and such. And, and I do have a putty and paint account. I've just not put anything on it. So, right. No, I found the putty and paint account. I'm like, Hmm, I see zero projects. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more of a, uh, photography issue, not being able to take good pictures and trying to figure out which lens I want to buy. So that's, one of my goals oh yeah i struggle too with photography that's why i actually don't really enter online contests because you know we paid all this money for my son uh he's a huge into photography and i'm like dude take good pictures i'm He's like yeah dad i took this dramatic angle look at the lighting and shadow i'm like no i just need straight up pictures of my miniature <laughs> i can't see it <laughs> right exactly <laughs> He's like, but look at the weight, the light shines off the base. I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that rock on the base looks awesome though. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, okay. So you'll, you're, you're going to work on your, your, your social media following, which is great. Cause uh, I believe that once you do, uh, you're going to get overrun with followers because you're an absolutely fantastic artist, Bryce. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, uh, picking through Facebook and seeing those, the pictures of your work. And I, had, I, I, I knew you had done a stitch thimble, uh, thimble door for the box, whatever you call for reaver box art. I don't know what they call it. Cause they don't really do boxes uh, <laughs> most of the time, but uh, that's a beautiful, I actually love that piece um, as well. I love the blade, the glowing blue blade on it. It's done really well. That was terrifying. Ron's like, I need a glowing blade. And it's like, I've never done glowing blades before. <laughs> Thanks Ron. <laughs> Yeah, that seems to be the way he works, you know, <laughs> for sure. But uh, it has been an absolute joy having you on and getting a chance to talk to you. And I really appreciate uh, 
uh, you taking the time. It sounds like you are crazy, crazy busy too. Um, so I can definitely, I can empathize with that. <laughs> and I'll make sure that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say uh, social media under construction, keep tuned for, for more from, from Bryce Kokenauer. <laughs> but thank you so much for being on my friend. Just hope to encourage everybody not to get discouraged and you can, you can do it and, and, uh, and keep moving on. Like you're, I think I love that you guys are promoting this and trying to help people, uh, be encouraged to, that they can do it and they can accomplish great things. Thank you very much. Dan and I would like to thank Bryce Kokenauer for joining us today. It was a really insightful interview and it's always wonderful to get to know, uh, artists that you've seen their work before. And you're like, wow, now I get to place the the face and the name and hear about their thought process to such things as their wonderful pieces like Training Day, etc. Uh, Bryce, thank you so much for sharing your hobby journey with us. And we look forward to uh, checking out your work in the future and hopefully future conversations. You can find Bryce on Paint and Putty and also on Instagram. While he doesn't have a ton of social media presence right now, that's okay. He'll work on it at some point. Uh, but you can also, a nice little uh, trick to find his work is that he's put in a lot of different pieces to different ears and ReaperCon. And so if you go to the ReaperCon.com and check out the uh, Master Series Open, they have galleries and you can just search for his name and see all the beautiful pieces that he has done uh, in the past. So we'll also put a link to all his stuff in our show notes. Again, thank you so much, Bryce. It really was a fantastic conversation. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry. I know our YouTube channel is a little bit behind. I promise I will have that all up to date by the end of the year. You can also follow us on Twitter at Dry Listening. Like, subscribe, or follow wherever you get your podcasts. And if you wouldn't mind, as a Christmas present for the podcast, if you could leave us a, uh, a good review and spread the word about the show, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to all of our listeners out there. You really are absolutely amazing. Um, anyways, with all that said and done, take your time, be patient, and you will become a better, braver, happier painter. Until next time. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly. 